0: Welcome to a very special episode of Free Basketball. We are going to talk about the 10-part documentary series that we just finished up, and that documentary series is, of course, The Last Dance, featuring Michael Jordan and the 98 Chicago Bulls. So I am going to be joined by my fellow compatriots, one Mr. Cody Holsey. Hello. And the, the other, <laughs> and the other, as always, is Mr. Daniel Greer.
1: Oh, I can smell it already. Smells delicious.
2: <laughs> what are you talking about? I don't know. Everything you say is oddly sexual.
0: <laughs>
1: wow. <laughs> Woo.
0: If that you drink. already can't. Crazy. <laughs> if, you, if you already can't tell, this is going to be an incredibly off the rails episode because gonna I think it's going to be a
2: wild ride, folks.
0: I think we're going to be a little slap happy through this because we just endured five weeks of just pure amazing uh, documentary storytelling it was that great. wrapped up in a pretty amazing way that I still have chills about. So we probably won't sit and talk about each individual episode more so how we felt about the documentary in a whole, and just. You know some little things that caught our eye throughout the whole series because i'm sure we have a lot of thoughts about it so coming back hopefully we'll sound a little more put together here all right first things first before we even start talking about this documentary I do want to ask if any of you have any individual, I guess, history with the Bulls, or remember watching any of this, or maybe the first time like you heard about MJ. Uh, Daniel, did you ever get to see, you're not too much older than us, you're only like, what, three or four years older than us, maybe? Yep.
1: Yeah, I'm 36, so I, I watched most of this, not most, uh, I'd say the last, the, I watched baseball, uh, I went to. I think I went to a Birmingham Barons game. Uh, I was big into baseball, but I watched. Um, I think I went and saw one of uh, Jordan play in one of those games. And I know for sure I remember the last three cha- championships. And my most vivid memory is the last shot Jordan took in a Bulls uniform per se uh, when he uh, did not push off. Uh, was it Byron Russell? Is that his name? Uh, Brian Russell. Yep. Brian,
2: Byron, eh, that's probably his cover. Byron Scott, Brian Russell. Yeah, whatever. Um, yeah, so We're only a basketball podcast. We don't need to get <laughs> the players' names right.
1: He definitely is not known.
2: When, um, yeah, you're right. Wait, what? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> Yes,
1: I do remember that very vividly. And I was kind of like a little kid watching the first part of it. And then kind of like, oh, all right. Well, I do remember most of this on the second part. Uh, you don't know the full details, but it was very enlightening. And, I, dude, it was cool. There was so much detail that it was hard not to watch uh, every minute of every, every episode.
0: Cody, do you have any kind of special memory that you can think about with MJ that you
2: like, first? Well, I knew who Michael Jordan was as a kid, but I didn't really start watching basketball until I was like 10 years old. So that was a couple years after he retired the first, the second time, rather. Um, so I've like experienced most of this bull stuff, like secondhand, like I've watched most of it on like YouTube and stuff like that. Like I've watched plenty of Michael Jordan highlights and I've watched full games and things like that, you know, just when I'm bored on the internet. Um, but to get like context, the context surrounding everything with uh, this documentary was pretty great.
0: Yeah. My, I'm kind of like you, Daniel, i was nine when this you know this famous 98 the final shot last dance season happened and every summer i used to i guess my parents just shipped me off for two weeks because they were tired of me Um, but i go to my grandparents house for two weeks in the summer like right after school was up and that's when i would get to see my cousins and play with them all and they were all a couple years older than me they were in their teens So they were really big into basketball, which kind of got me. Like, I I started playing, you know, at a young age but didn't follow basketball because my dad was kind of the same, like, was more of a baseball person. Right. So I grew up really watching baseball until really age nine when this actual series was happening. So I just remember, like, I don't remember the shot or anything, but I remember us being at my grandparents' house in Kentucky in this tiny little living room and like a farmhouse. Like it's not even a farmhouse. It's like the back shed of a farmhouse. Like it's it's <laughs> tiny. So we're all jam packed in there watching the finals. And I just remember cheering for the Bulls just because all of my other cousins wanted the Jazz to win because the Bulls won all the time. You know, that's how it was kind yeah. of explained to me. So, of course, me being the obnoxious nine-year-old trying to get the attention of the older teens, you know, trying to be cool, yeah, I was rooting for the Bulls. Had no idea what was going on, but I was rooting for the Bulls. So, I can say I watched it, <laughs> but I can't say that I remember it, you know, like you did. Yeah. But we all kind of have, like, an interesting thing, connection with the Bulls, how it influenced us growing up. I don't know if it influenced any of y'all with actually basketball, uh, but I thought it was pretty. Basketball. I thought it was pretty interesting. Like I really enjoyed the highlights, of course, and the different games and the ability for this documentary to make you feel the tension today that it probably was. You know, back in '93. (laughs) You know, you're able to feel that same kind of tension in like a game five or game six. I really enjoyed the. Actual basketball highlights, the situations, seeing the score, you know, all the timeout stuff, or they're getting the kind of behind-scene look at what players and benches and what Phil's saying to the guys. But I also like seeing the behind-the-scenes, like the Jerry Krause and the Reinsdorf uh-huh. and the Phil Jackson stuff. That's the stuff yeah. that really kind of intrigued me the most, was kind of the behind closed door relationship dynamics that we really don't have answers to we just have what each person says happened mm-hmm. um that's my kind of interesting thing because i do want to talk about that for a second i mean the only person that wasn't actually interviewed for this documentary is jerry Krauss because he passed away a few years ago but it seemed like a perfect opportunity for everyone to just kinda pile on him. <laughs> yeah. And I felt kinda bad for him a little bit. I mean, he's kinda deserving of some of that, but other stuff I didn't think so. Uh but Cody like is there someone out of those three that kind of trio, the head trio, that really kinda stuck out to you as like, Ah, he's the snake or okay, well, I'm kinda he was the fall guy, you know, it was really this other guy's because they made it feel like it was kraus you know it was all kraus i
2: mean it definitely it it was one of those things where like so as as i was watching it i'm like man this jerry kraus guy real 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 (laughs) d-bag um which he kind to be fair he kind of was but like yes at the end of the day like ultimately like when the when the episode episode 10 when it's ending and they're kind of talking about phil's like yeah cherry rindsworth called me and offered me the job i turned it down whatever and then, like, Jerry Reinsdorf too, is also the owner. Like, he could tell Jerry Krause, like, you're crazy. We're not getting rid of Michael Jordan. Like, right. Jerry Krause, at the end of this documentary, was, like, the villain in a Scooby-Doo episode where you think it's Jerry Krause the whole time, and then they pull the hat off, and you're like, Phil Jackson and Jerry Reinsdorf. Like, <laughs> it really was just all three of them together. Like, just all three of them were, like, the brain trust that really, like, blew the thing up. Like
0: Yeah, because, I mean... <clears throat> Krauss and Phil Jackson obviously there was a huge break in that relationship.
2: Yeah, they now, were not
0: friends. If you read all the kind of stuff afterwards, Kraus apparently was really hurt by Phil, who kind of took the limelight over Jerry after Jerry found him, you know, in this lower
2: mm-hmm. basketball league. Puerto and, Rican league. Yeah. Like that that's crazy. And,
0: and then so. he just, you know, somehow backstabbed Doug Collins in the back, poor Doug. And you know took over the team and because i feel like phil gets kind of a pass as being like the greatest coach of all time blah 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 he's a buddhist whatever peaceful man but that dude would stab you in the back in a heartbeat
2: yeah if a mini could win another title yeah yeah
0: i mean daniel do you have a culprit out of this that you just kind of pointed a finger at
1: So I I think it was, so I think it's Jerry Krause in the end. I I do believe that. I think that, but um, I think that Reinsdorf gave him so much power. He he honestly could have maybe, I guess, just made sure these guys weren't at odds or, hey, we're going to all work together. We don't have to like each other. We just got to work together. I've had many employees like that in my life. Um, And I think you can easily, as the boss, you can kind of make sure that happens. But, um, I think that – I I, can't, I think he just gave him too much leash. I think Reinsdorf gave Kraus too much leash. And in the end, I think Phil said, this is my last year. We're going to go off and we're going to shove it in your face. And then they try to come back and say, hey, we're going to go ahead and let you have another year of contract. He's like, you know what? F you. I'm done. Like, we did what we were going to do. I'm not I'm not putting all my, you know, thoughts and time into this. So, I, I think it's Kraus
0: still. mmm yeah, because after the first couple episodes, you definitely feel that because Scotty Pippen obviously is, besides MJ, the most heavily featured right. player in this documentary. I mean, if you had to rank it from the first couple episodes, I would say it's MJ obviously one, Pippen two, and Crosses is three. <laughs> yeah. Like, that is the dynamic going into the first couple episodes and I feel like Krause gets a lot of blame because of the way they handled Pippin's situation, you know, especially with the contract situation. Yeah. But all of that kind of leads me to the person, like you said, or maybe Cody said, who can override that decision. And that is the owner. So, yeah. I mean, we were live tweeting from our account and, spoiler alert, it was me if you couldn't tell. <laughs> um and I remember, I couldn't
2: tell if it was you or Daniel.
0: <laughs> and in the first episode or two, I basically said a tweet about Reinsdorf looks clean through all this so far, but he is the reason why the Bulls have not, you know, did not piece back together, or stay together for another year in '99, and the reason why the f- fractured relationship with Pippen, why he wanted to get out so bad. And the reason why they have not done anything meaningful in the playoffs since 1998, like he is the reason. Hmm. He could have solved this whole thing with, you know, Kraus by doing one simple thing: fire Jerry Kraus. Right. Like yeah, but I, how do you I know fire somebody. Like I know that? it would have, championship games. I know together. it would have looked unpopular because they mm-hmm. won championships. But guess what? Right. They fired him anyways in 2002 so they got rid of him four years later after they were terrible i mean the next year they got the number one pick in the draft in a shortened season so i get it like kraus is kind of hung out to dry in all this and if you're a family member of jerry kraus you're probably just kind of like fuming mad at this whole documentary right. like really you're just gonna flame my dad like that or my <laughs> you know my uncle or whatever or even my husband my spouse because he built a six-time champion team in the 1990s yeah. and he didn't get some contract extension done with scotty pippen because reinsdorf wouldn't allow it <laughs> like come on the real culprit to yeah. me in all this is really jerry reinsdorf And no, I,
1: I agree. And I, so I have one thing for the, yeah. so the last slide pretty much of the whole show, um, it just kind of puts out exactly what happened right after the 98 season. And it says Phil Jackson was replaced. Uh, MJ went back into retirement. Uh, Pippen was traded. Rodman was released and Kerr was traded. Um, all that, all that just to coddle the, I guess, Krauss and what he had to have or is that reinsdorf saying hey uh, i'm kind of done with this like that's crazy I, to me that all that happened just to keep Krauss happy was it we is some one man reinsdorf gonna go that far to keep kraus happy he did all that
0: that's I a don't, lot i don't think it was about Krauss's happiness i think it was about his salary cap issues because I was yeah. curious about that too it's like why is he trying to appease krauss so much in all this it's because krauss took a hard line with the players and jerry no. as you, if you can tell in the documentary he's not like that he's kind of a pushover really yeah. and like krauss was like his minion to be like the stand up to the players guy about contracts because mm-hmm. i mean krauss and Reinsdorf said this it's come out in the past couple of days and obviously it's been out for you know over two decades but their big excuse is that the players were old. Like the, the the Bulls in 98 were the oldest team in the league. And right. if you go back and watch, like I think they replayed the 98 game, uh, the game six against the Jazz in the finals. Like it, it doesn't look recognizable as basketball. <laughs> yeah. Like they don't move. And it's just like two old teams battling each other. And Kraus and Reinsdorf have, like have this position that the team was too expensive. So I look back at that. They were like triple the salary cap. There wasn't a luxury tax back then, but they were like triple the salary cap. They were paying Jordan. No NBA player up to this time had gotten this contract. But after 96, Jordan got back to back one year deals that were 30 plus million each. And he simply just did not want to pay. Like Dennis Robin was broken down. He right. just watched a finals where Pippen's back was going out. I get why he wouldn't want to give him a huge extension. He apparently already had the offer from Houston on the deal. So it was basically a sign and trade. Yeah. And I mean Luke Longley is on his way out. I mean, what's the other players on that team? Steve Kerr. Steve yeah. Kerr was Kerr. on his way out. All these other Kukoc, pieces. Yeah. All these other pieces. Ku is the only one that stayed yeah
1: as i'm saying he but then how do you do you build him around build a team around him obviously it doesn't work
0: (laughs) right yeah and that's where i kind of like he spent the money in you know 97 and 98 to keep this team together like he spent the money there but he's always been cheap and that's why this happened (laughs) yeah because you go back and you look at like mj and scotty's contracts like they're absolutely ridiculous Jordan has a four-year rookie contract. You know, back then in the 80s was like $500,000 a year. Like, it wasn't nothing. Mm-hmm. In 88, he signed an eight-year deal that was worth like $40 million. <laughs> Something like that, uh, $45 million. Yeah. So all the way up to 96, Jordan was getting paid like anywhere right. from two and a half <laughs> to $4 yeah. million a year. That's crazy. For and they eight got Pippen years on
1: a a one year a one, a minute, a one a seven year deal.
0: yeah like <laughs> a seven year thirteen million or yeah something like that like it's, it's retarded. That is stupid yeah the th- my what I kind of thought is that if you had a little more player empowerment you know back in the late eighties early nineties Reinsdorf yeah. would have never paid for the Jordan and Pippen to stay together right the Bulls would have never even happened. Because you just have to look at Reinsdorf's history. He has these two years that, uh, you know, outliers, basically, for actually paying to keep him together. And then before and after those two years to keep MJ around, basically, it's bottom of the barrel and he's cheap and he uses his GMs to, you know, be the face of his cheapness. So the Bulls are kind of fortunate. And NBA fans are fortunate, really, that <laughs> Reinsdorf and Krauss were so cheap and stingy, and that Pippen and Jordan happened to say okay to these long-term deals. Yeah. Because if not, I don't think this happens. Like I really don't. Never now that I look that at it, would never happen right now. That's it crazy. Never happen. It would just be like uh. giving Jaw after Jaw's, you know, three-year salary here. It's like giving Jaw eight years, you know, sixty million. Yeah. Like that's what that's basically what that contract is equivalent to. <laughs> Maybe a hundred would probably be more fair, but it's like yeah. eight eight years a hundred million dollars. Like it's just God. not gonna happen. So Yeah. That's, that's it's kinda though. like a pro and con because the cheapness of Reinsdorf and Kraus. Chandler Parsons got that in four years. <laughs> <I know>. Wow. <laughs> the, Whoa. The cheapness of those two put this team together with Krauss's ability to bring players in on the cheap. But then it was basically their ultimate demise at the end on why this fell apart. Because I thought it was interesting that MJ said he wanted to come back to go for a seventh. I mean, Cody, do you even believe that they could have won a seventh ring? Because it was going into, that was the lockout year. They only played like 50 games. And I was kind of interested by like when MJ actually retired. So that, I- that whole fall and winter, he didn't announce his retirement. When the league came back in January from the lockout, that's when he retired. And that's when everybody left. Phil apparently left to take a year off, quote unquote, like as soon as the finals were over. He was gone. But the rest of them were still there and didn't sign and move other ways, uh, you know, move to other places till basically the restart of the Mm. lockout season. So, Cody, just to go back real quick, I know I went off on that little tangent, but I mean, do you think the Bulls win a seventh?
2: Um, that was the, the Knicks were the eighth seed and got made into the finals that year, right? Right. I mean, and the
0: and the I mean, Duncan's second Spurs year, the, yeah. Spurs with an aging David Robinson,
2: they win that year. I mean, I mean, theoretically, it wouldn't be that crazy to say that yeah, they could have possibly made the finals and won. I mean, they still had if if Jordan plays, they still have. Number twenty three, which is yeah. you know, but he had the been, biggest thing that you're looking for.
0: What thirty six?
2: Yeah, but even so, you're still like he's still Michael Jordan.
0: Fair. So you like, think he's, if you, you know, so you think with fifty games and an extra three months off in the winter, he would. I still mean, been possibly able to they're also playing.
2: They're also playing 50 games in like three months, and then like the playoffs are like, you know, truncated a little bit because they're trying to cram all that in. Um, I don't know. I mean, it would have been interesting. It definitely would have been more interesting to see if they could than just like wonder always, you know?
0: Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, Do you think, Daniel, that if MJ wouldn't have retired those two years, well, retired that one and then, you know, came back halfway on the other, do you think the Bulls could have won eight championships in a row?
1: No, well, no, they're not in a row, obviously, but they wouldn't have won um, eight total. No, I, I think they had maybe another year. But what what fuels MJ? It's not it's not really you know the competitive. I guess it is competitiveness, but it's there's always something there's an underlying something that just kind of fuels him. Um, it is the winning the game. It is all that, but it's also proving Jerry Krause wrong. Um, it's proving, you know, people that think that, Hey, Carl Malone was the MVP that year. It's proven people wrong. And I think, I I think he started kind of running out of things. The whole reason he left and went to baseball, I think he was running out of, um, ideas on how to prove people wrong. And I think when he came back, he had to prove people wrong that he was washed up because he went to baseball and came back. So I, I think there was him wanting to prove people wrong. And I think after you do two, three peats. What are you gonna do then? You gonna prove people wrong that you can't win a fourth? I, I guess, but man, that's tough, especially at that age. Thirty six isn't old, but it's not. You're definitely not in peak. Uh, They're gonna have the, to pay Scotty,
0: the spring chicken that wins the dunk contest, not, right? No.
1: <laughs> yeah, definitely not. Now and they were gonna have to, they were gonna have to pay Scotty, which was, or, or get rid of him, or you know, build around something. But that would be tough. Um, I don't think Scotty takes a pay cut to come back again. So I think that'd have been tough.
0: So you think that six is the perfect number for them? That's the yeah. best case scenario. Like that, two years is the best case because without that break, maybe they only win four. Maybe they don't win uh, in yeah. ninety-seven, ninety-eight. Maybe he's just completely run down by then. MJ is.
1: I think he's kind of bored with it. If that makes sense. Okay. If so you, you win you... that much, you're just bored. You're like, you know what? I'm I'm better than everybody else. And I think that's what fueled him to win those two, three. Uh, three peats.
0: Gotcha, and a lot of luck apparently, and <laughs> one of the most iconic shots in NBA history. Right, um, dude, that was. So you with dealing with his retirement again, you do believe it was truly he was run down, needed a break, didn't have that fire anymore, and not some of the more scandalous reasons that people have has, have hypothesized about why MJ left.
1: Yes, it was definitely because he just didn't – I think he did what he wanted to do, and that was it. No, I don't think there was any any other stuff in play besides him just wanting
0: to leave. Cody, you think his father's death played a huge role in that? Or do you think it was just uh, something that was kind of – I mean, I, I mean, I hate to say good timing. I mean, obviously not good timing, but it was a good
2: transition for him. Yeah, I definitely think so. I mean, it's pretty apparent. They made that pretty clear in the documentary that that was like part of it.
0: So no, nothing with Stern, no gambling problems, the national attention. No, I don't. I
2: think that I don't think that had anything to do with it. I think at that point, like he's just done everything. Do you think anyone? Like, there's really no one has, else for him to challenge himself with.
0: Do you think there? You really have a gambling problem if you can, like, if you have the money, like, if you're a star athlete like that. <laughs> <Probably> <laughs> if not. you're Michael Jordan, no. do you really have no. a gambling problem? Quote unquote.
1: Yeah, because if you just light on fire, does that matter?
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's the same concept. Nobody cares. So it's really your your money, your choice, right?
2: Uh. Yeah, exactly. Like, are you still paying all your bills? Great. Who cares? <laughs> right.
0: Now, uh, little things I do want to hit on that I think were fun, and I hope you all have a couple things that you want to talk about that interest you about the documentary, but a lot of Scott Burrell in this documentary – yeah, and weird. a lot of uh, MJ's hate. Well, not hate. He loved him obviously. It was like his brother. But like hating on Scott Burrell, and so oh, yeah,
2: that dude. He talked. He, there's a lot of ball busting going on there
0: with Scott Burrell. I looked up. I was like, man, how long was he with the Bulls? And I was surprised to find that he only played one year on the Bulls in this last '98 season. <laughs> wow, that was man, he his busted his balls. That all was day, every his day. only season with the Chicago Bulls because he was on, like, the Hornets for a few years and bounced all over. And I was like, the way they made it seem in the documentary, because it's going back and forth in time, you know, and going forth, so it's kind of confusing, hard to keep track of. But yeah, right, I felt like this guy was with MJ for, like, ten years of his career. <laughs> but he was there oh. literally ten months. <laughs>
2: like, he was Man. there ten months. I really months. enjoyed – I really enjoyed it. It was either the last or the second-to-last episode when MJ's like – he's sitting in the locker room or something before the game with Ahmad Rashad um, and a couple other people. And he's like, you're not allowed to talk to Scott Burrell. <laughs> yeah. He's like, you can talk to anybody else, but you are instructed to not speak to Scott Burrell. Because he get and in his head and he'd mess yeah. up. <laughs> yeah, and that just made me laugh so hard that Michael Jordan's like, you can talk to whoever. Just don't leave Scott Burrell alone.
0: Daniel, do you have any kind of individual moments from the last dance that really stuck out to you, and enjoyed? Yes, so uh, my
1: favorite was the Rodman uh, stuff. Um, It's crazy how they gave him the 48 hours, uh, that was nutso, uh, where he pretty much could just go do whatever, and they had to go get him, but... The the great thing about Phil, it, it might not be X's and O's, it might not be anything else. He understood uh, Rodman, and I think Rodman understood that they knew the kind of person he was. So um, he was very much a gamer when it came to playing the games. But he also could just leave it on the court and say, "Hey, and now, all right, now I'm going to go hit some illegal drugs and women. That's what uh, that's what he wanted to do. Wait, go... so
2: he was hitting illegal women. Come on." <laughs> Yeah, he he
0: needed he Saying apparently he was striking women. Like he said in that in some of the episodes, like he basically needed to pass from time to time vacation to right. do whatever and whoever he wanted yeah. to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That, he went crazy. to the
2: w, WWE or W W F or W C W during the, the finals. The, yeah, and, yeah, and was like with Hulk Hogan, like and they're joking about him missing practice, like on TV. Can right. you imagine so,
0: that happening now?
2: Just imagine if it's basically like, I'm to think. like Draymond. It's like PJ Tucker. PJ yeah, J- Draymond.
0: It's like Draymond. Like if the Warriors yeah. were in the finals and it was, you know, a 2-1 series and it was going back to wherever. It's basically like Draymond catching a, you know, a continental flight and <laughs> appearing the next day in the next WrestleMania. Like right. that's basically what it is. Could you yeah. imagine that? Like that was completely that like incredible. That was unthinkable to me. Like I couldn't even think it's about like this, what that the finals would even are
2: like. going on and Steph Curry releases Holy Moly Volume Two. <laughs> <laughs> underrated <laughs> show, underrated.
0: Uh, yeah, but it's just I, like you want the guy to take a break and but be- you know rest between days, right. and he's getting tossed around the ring. And he's hitting people with chairs.
2: He probably wasn't getting not tossed, tossed around, tossed around the ring. but he's okay. hitting people with chairs.
1: He pretty much made an appearance. Let's just be honest.
2: A different time. <laughs> yes,
1: very <laughs> Daniel, much so. Daniel, what else? Yeah. So uh yeah, I know. I was just watching it, and I'm a big shoe um, and I was kind of looking at all the different shoes. And a lot of the, uh, throughout the doc, it did not show, like for whatever reason, the camera wasn't always down and showed his shoes. I don't know why. I look, look back, I re, you know rewind. I'm like, all right, what shoes was he wearing right now? Um, And a lot of times they would show it, but throughout the games, for some reason, it was just never, I guess the camera wasn't wide enough to show his shoes and what he was wearing. I really just want to look and see what he was wearing throughout his career, kind of what age he was, and um, because at that time, you don't appreciate him, Uh, and now looking back as you see how the shoes kind of evolved over his career and how, and like the moments he was actually in, such as like the Space Jams, you know, the one of the most... Uh, prevalent ones but um it was crazy to watch that just because i like his shoes and so i was it was cool to see his career him actually playing in them and not just i just wearing them on the street so that was cool for me
0: what about you cody what what stuck out about the last dance like what was your favorite parts about it
2: my favorite parts were anytime michael jordan talked trash okay yeah just anytime he talked trash like most notably when he's talking to larry bird (laughs) <laughs> after they beat him in the oh, Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah. Yes. And he says, uh, "He ta- well, first of all, he first thing he says is, you bitch, like, f*** you, you bitch. <laughs> 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 Which is incredible, because, like, and Larry Bird just doesn't say, he's just like, eh, whatever, you earned it. And right. then he's walking off after Michael Jordan has already said, f*** you, you bitch, to Larry Legend. As Larry's walking off he says, Hey, you have some time to work on that golf game of yours <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> Which is just like it, it's great.
0: Yeah, I like, thought it was kinda interesting <clears throat> that MJ before this came out thought everyone was gonna like hate him and he's gonna get killed.
2: No, yeah. everyone loves him. I think if anyone hates him, like they're just stupid. If you don't like Michael Jordan more after watching this, then
0: I'm they're sure soft. there's a whole faction a whole faction of people who consider him a big time bully. Yeah, well, those probably people, very sensitive to that. Uh, but I guess those, those of us who, sense, yeah. yeah, who who enjoy, you know, actual competitive—not bullying, but actual competitive <laughs> nature—like understand the lightheartedness of what he's doing. Yeah, sort of. I mean, it's not lightheartedness when he's actually punching people. It's a very competitive, no. serious situation, but. Like if you're in that kind of sports environment, like you get it. Like you understand what he's doing, right? So yeah. yeah, you're totally okay with the tactics that he used throughout his career on teammates, Cody.
2: Yeah, I am. I mean I mean, it's one of those things too where like you watch a documentary and like all those guys are like, Yeah, he was a dick. Like he was a jerk. And then but all of them were like, But man, he was such a good teammate. I love playing with that guy. Like literally there's that whole that whole episode it's it's the seventh episode i think they're like all talking about like jordan was a jerk he was he was not nice and then but at the end they're all like you know 30 seconds later through the thing they're all just like but playing with him was great because you got to win and then like jordan even defending that at the end of the episode he's like so do you think like being this competitive like cost you like being considered a nice guy and my favorite quote i think from the whole movie is in that where jordan starts to get kind of emotional and he's like he says something, he's like, if you th- you think I'm a tyrant, like, whatever. He's like, well, that's you, because you've never won anything. <laughs> Which I thought was, like, such an incredible Man. line. And he says, well, you've never won anything. Which I, he, was, he probably wasn't talking to, the, like, the, the guy doing the interview. He's, like, talking about a fictional person that's like, well, he was a tyrant, this, that. He's like, well, you've never won anything. You don't understand what it takes to be able to get, you know, to the mountaintop time and time again. And like just that whole sequence, like the way they edited that together, where like everybody's celebrating all the championships and the winning, and he's he's celebrating with his teammates and stuff like that. Like while he's talking about like the way that he played basketball and like his competitive drive and the way that he thought about winning and what it took to do that, like all that stuff, man. I watched that probably thirty times. Like yeah, that whole like, saw, if, you like that wanna, clip, if you don't want to, if you don't want to play that
0: way, that's
2: fine. Don't play that way. And yeah. he's like.
0: About you to break, and away. he's like, "Break!" Yeah, break. <laughs> Rubs his ear, and just gone. gets up. Yeah, probably ch- like you know, uh, chain smoked like three cigars. Yeah, probably That's had a bottle like of bourbon, like, came back, started talking <laughs> about Gary Payton. <laughs> that was a, the glove. <laughs> that
1: was amazing. I had no problem the with the glove. That was yeah. my
0: favorite. He's like, "The glove." I had no problem with the glove. <laughs> that was it amazing. sounded like an OJ thing. Like someone needs to kind of. Uh, <laughs> Split, I it, somebody that somebody did put it out oh did they well okay yeah they already did that oops i'm four weeks late uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah i really enjoyed the competitive stuff just because bailey haven't done anything competitive in like three years i guess right. i don't know if you consider coaching to be competitive but i really only did that last year so they I kind of Phil feel Jackson
2: like considered it to be competitive he does have you know 11 championships
0: but that kind of feeling, like it came back to me from, I guess, helping coach last year. That competitive nature, and like I kind of forgot, like what it was like to kind of be in that arena, you know. And so all of that, like past stuff, playing and coaching and in high school and growing up, all that kind of flooded back to me when MJ at the end of the episode saying that. It's like I get you, man. Like <laughs> right yeah. here, man. Yeah. Right in the heart.
2: <laughs> I think that's why I like gravitated towards the like trash talking and stuff like that because like I don't know if you guys know this or not, but I'm not the most physically gifted human being that ever lived. <laughs> Greatest screen um,
0: setter in the history of basketball. Ooh,
1: sets a mean screen.
2: I do set a mean screen, but like where I lacked in th- what the thing that I always was not that great at was like the physical part of the game, but like I would just. Even in like playing different sports like soccer and stuff like that, like I would just like talk trash to the other team the whole time and try to like <laughs> take them out of the game mentally. Like I would say, Cody's
0: NBA equivalent, if you had to compare him to someone, it would be like Boris Diaw.
2: Oh, I was gonna say, yeah, that's probably not. It's probably not not incorrect, but Boris Diaw. I mean, that I don't know, amazing. How, champion. How many, uh, champ- how many championships does Boris Diaw have? I think he's Let's got see one how or many two. How many I would have ended up with <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's amazing now I Daniel know, you know
0: with the let's talk about the final shot and kind of that, that sequence um in the last episode, everyone talks about obviously the last you know forty one seconds of that game with being down three right before you know John Stockton hits that unbelievable three. With Ron Harper closing out on him. Barely gets it over his hands over Ron Harper's hands and it's just absolute bottom of the net. Like it yeah. hits nothing going through, barely hits the net. And then it has that MJ drive layup, the infamous steal, and obviously the final shot. You're the only one of us who watched it live that remembers. I mean, do you remember any kind of feeling towards that back then?
1: Yes, yeah, so I know everybody was talking about Jordan's, uh, pretty much going planning on retiring or that's the speculation. Uh, the only part of that, that I really remember is the shot. And I remember that, uh, I think at this time it was the big thing of like, uh, I think I was, I don't know what age I was. It was a 98. So my brother, so I was, uh, close to ninth grade. I was eighth grade. Um, and I was learning the fundamentals of, of basketball and I was learning how to properly shoot. And I remember holding your hand up uh, and kind of like putting it through the basket as you shoot, you kind of drop your hand and put it through the basket. And when I watched him do that, I was like, "That's awesome! Like that's like great form." But it's also he was kind of enjoying that moment because he thought it was his last shot ever in a game. Um, and so that's initially what I thought. And I and I obviously I know he came back as you know part of the the Wizards and or Bullets or whatever they end up words called. You know, a fake Bobcat. Um but yeah that um that was something I always remember but yeah I don't remember any other part
0: of the game besides that last shot and it was pretty cool. Can you think of a more like it's my favorite photo like sports photo yeah is yeah. the shot from behind with just that wall yeah. of jazz fans fans yeah and like that is my favorite basketball or sport photo there is like can you think of any more iconic kind of photo in NBA history besides that one?
1: The only the only thing I not iconic, but something that's really cool that I've seen is the uh, I guess the pictures or whatever of Kobe and Jordan playing each other because they've you know two of the best, if not you know the two best ever. Uh, that was a really I, I've seen photos of that. I'm like you know I remember that when Kobe was younger and had his afro um that was cool to kind of see stuff like that but those are those aren't as iconic but those are definitely photos i'll always remember just seeing because those were you know it's crazy
0: the only recent photo that i can think of that people would probably rival it would probably be you know the rival to you know mj's legacy and that's the dwayne wade lob to lebron Right, like, yeah, that's I was thinking of that's that. That's a pretty... Yeah, that's a good photo. That's a pretty iconic photo, but to me it just doesn't have the same... I don't know, like, when I see that photo, it just it gives me a completely different feeling than any other photo I've ever seen.
2: Uh, well, something that I had never really done with that photo that they did really well in that documentary was, like, the people in the background of it that they, like, zoomed in on and, like... Yes. really like showed you who it was so like there's all the jazz fans and all of them are like they all have their they're all like no like you they all have these like defeated expressions on their face and there's one kid wearing a bulls jersey and his hands are up and the ball it hasn't gone through the hoop yet but it's left michael jordan's hands and you can see all the all the jazz fans know exactly what's coming and so does this one little kid bulls fan he's got his hands straight up fist pumped like he is he knows like it's just incredible (laughs) to see how everyone in the photo knows exactly what's happening yes (laughs) like in real time like i think we've all we've all had times where we've either been playing in a game or watching a game where you see that one shot go up and you know it's going in and you know that's the end of the game for you and like just seeing it on the face of everyone in the crowd at the same time was incredible
0: yeah, I, I think that I think that's the sneaky part of it for me is just the impending doom, and everyone knows. Yeah. Like as soon as Byron Russell gets turned, like they know it's done. Like you know it's done. Everyone yeah. in the building knows it's done, <laughs> and it's like the longest. Yeah. It's over. You know, <laughs> two seconds in the world. It feels like when you watched it. If you watch a replay of it, and yeah, I that's probably my favorite thing in basketball to this day is still just that shot yeah i agree uh before we move on to just a mini debate i want to have and i don't want to have a lengthy debate about it but we'll get to it in a second what did you think about jordan finally admitting about the flu game that it wasn't the flu did you believe him
1: well I, I don't know if I believe him, but I kinda felt like when they when they did the whole pump fake from Matt Barnes to Kobe and then you see a different angle of the the photo and he's like not even like in front of his face when he does the pump fake. I felt like um somebody's been lying to me for a long time. <laughs> do you not know what I'm talking about?
0: I do know what I'm talking about. I'm just trying to figure out why it pertains to MJ. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so everybody's talking about the flu game. These are the flu game shoes. These are the, you know, this is what the flu game, flu game. And then all of a sudden it's like, maybe he got food poisoned. And so I felt like somebody lied to me my whole life. So you uh, think it was I,
0: more of the bubble guts game? I think it was. It had, Yeah, because you,
1: I don't know. I guess you can come down with the flu that quickly, but man. Uh, that makes I'm
2: pretty more sure sense. it was food poisoning I think that's what they said in the documentary That's Correct, what, that's what MJ time.
0: and everyone around him says I right. just didn't know I mean they've got this whole elaborate story About five guys showing up To drop off a pizza in a hotel Right And you know MJ ate the whole thing by himself No one had a single slice And then just a few well, hours later I
2: believe that like, I, mean, I believe that I think that every MJ one of us would on this down video down
0: an entire
1: pizza.
2: Yeah, I think every one of us on a this
1: game. Yes, he's a, he's a pro
2: athlete. Why wouldn't he down an, an entire pizza
0: eat? before a? Have you seen what game? the Rock
2: eats? He would say he drank two beers before that game too. The Rock didn't That's have to
0: been. go yeah. <laughs> drop forty in a game four in a finals.
2: I'm just saying like <laughs> athletes eat at a different level than what normal right. people do. They're burning okay. like an incredible, they burn way more calories than like you or right. I ever do. So like they eat, like, I mean, I think everyone that's on this Zoom call right now has probably eaten an entire pizza by themselves, <laughs> shamefully or not. It's happened. Like, <laughs> but let's I'm just not be playing the in
0: the finals in the
2: I know that. I'm not saying that you are, but I'm just saying that, but like, we're like normal people. Like, we do that, and, like, we just gain four pounds. Jordan does that, and he's just, like, <laughs> carbed up. He's got all the energy he needs.
1: He's got carbs, yeah. <laughs> he's
2: literally got a bunch of carbs. <laughs> I just I'm think. I'm just saying, I, like, that guy was, like, superhuman anyway. So, like, who am I to judge what he eats before
0: I, game? I don't know. Like, I'm still kind of skeptical that was food poisoning, quote, unquote, from a pizza. Oh,
2: uh, <sighs> the timeline matches up.
0: The timeline matches up, but it also matches up with being hungover. Uh, I just can't I, imagine a you'd
2: collapse after being hungover.
0: Like- I, I mean, I have played in a men's league buzzed and hungover before. <laughs> yeah, but that's not the same. I actually Shame. played one with Daniel. That wasn't Daniel. the NBA finals. <laughs> Greer, do you remember that? I don't. Oh, that's uh, hilarious. It was one of those games at uh, Hope, that, I think. Uh, and basically, oh. I was on the lake all day and just was and beers all day. And then we had a game at, like, 5. And I showed up, wow. like, 10 minutes before game time, sunburnt, and still drunk.
1: That's funny. <laughs> that is awesome.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, so, y'all... You believe it's not the flu game anymore. It's definitely a food poisoning game.
2: Yeah. Okay. I'm still calling it the flu game. I'm still going to call it the flu game. Like, I'm, not, like, I'm not changing that. Gotcha. Yeah, so can't
1: still, take that away from me. It's
0: still forever going to be the flu game. Yeah. Uh, yes. the, the final debate thing, don't have to do this long. I know it will want to feel oh, like a long conversation, but we have never. I always said, me and Cody, like, we were going to do this one day. We're just gonna lay it all out and have this debate. I can
2: answer it for you. The answer is Jordan. <laughs> like no, no, no debate. I know what you're gonna ask. I feel like the people probably could figure it out. I'm gonna let you ask it anyway, but I'm just giving you my answer now. Like, there's no debate. It's Michael Jordan. Look, I
0: one of these days we are actually gonna sit down and give the you know hour and a half debate. Yeah, we'll give it what it means. But it's going to have breakdowns. It's sh- going to have everything you need. but. Short answer is no. LeBron or right. MJ?
2: Get the fuck out of here. It's Michael Jordan, yeah. hands down. Like, Daniel? MJ. Cody, why MJ for you? Michael Jordan and the Bulls got rid of more 60-win teams than anybody else in history. Michael Jordan just physically willed his team to victory in game six of the 1998 finals with like nothing left in the tank played in played and put up what 38 40 points in the flu game also like just like lebron james is good but like lebron james like lebron james is magic johnson to me okay like he's a gregarious guy like lots of people like him incredibly talented athlete definitely makes his teammates better, but like he just doesn't have, like LeBron James isn't ripping the heart out of anyone on in the NBA. Like there's never going to be a documentary about LeBron James where he says, well, you know, I just had to, I didn't, couldn't let anyone around me get confidence. I had to just keep my th- foot on their throat the whole time that I was in the league so that no one thought they could beat me. Like LeBron James will never say anything like that
0: because he has nothing just, to back it up with.
2: Well, no, but like he just because, because that's just not who he is, which is fine. Like that LeBron James doesn't like we all, I feel like we always want to like crown the next Michael Jordan like, you know, every right. 5 or 6 years somebody's like, "Oh, you know, it was Kobe for a while." And Kobe actually modeled his game after Jordan. So like that was a pretty good comparison because they're both incredibly competitive. They're both kind of jerks, prickly people. Um,
0: but it can comp- but a different tier. Kobe is great, but it is still not Michael Jordan. Yeah,
2: but like LeBron James, like he's obviously gonna like continue. Like just the length of his career, he's gonna out. He's gonna, he's LeBron will probably end up like number one in scoring all time. Yeah, he'll probably end up with like almost every statistical record you could ever get. I don't think I don't. I think Michael Jordan still has the highest PER. Of anyone in this season ever, I can't remember exactly. I, see, this is why we need to like give it the time that it deserves and actually do the research. But like, right, this but, is just but, the... truncated. Your but long story short, like Michael Jordan, just like I've watched a lot of. I've I did not watch as much LeBron, Michael Jordan when I was growing up as I have LeBron James just from being alive. But like the stuff that I've gone back and watched of Jordan, like I've seen from LeBron James one or two times. And the couple times I can think of it, it's been in losses. Like, the best LeBron James game I think I have ever seen, like, start to finish, was game one of the 2018 finals. When he put on just a, a show. It was the first time in my life that I ever was, like, actively rooting for LeBron to win a game. And I actually liked that Warriors team. Like... I, for most of my life I have not rooted for LeBron in anything. Like he's really good at basketball. He's incredibly fun to watch, but I don't I just don't root for him. I'm just not like I'm I'm not LeBron's guy. But when like they're playing that game against the Warriors, like I was actively rooting for the Cavs to win that game because he was put it was such an incredible performance. It was insane, but they lost. Like That's Michael the Jordan. There's <laughs> the, yeah. Like, Michael Jordan, there's so – granted, he was playing against Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and he was True. playing with Paul, like, he George playing, Hill. Right?
0: Kyrie Irving.
2: Kyrie Irving wasn't on that team. That oh, was, was the team with George Hill and – J.R. Smith. He was with the Celtics. Yeah, that was J.R. Smith, George Hill. Um, was K-Love on that one or was he injured? Yeah, K-Love was on that one. He had, That was the team with um, Rodney Thompson. Hood. Tristan Thompson, yeah, like all those guys that they ended up trading. That was when they had Isaiah Thomas for a little while, and they traded him. Like, but the thing is, like with Jordan, all those moments, like there, you can you can find a hundred times where Jordan's hitting game winners, like just locking up games. Like, even in that night, so in nineteen ninety, in the last episode of the Last Dance, they're talking about, like, hey Scotty, what was going through your head at that last? When, the, when Michael gets the ball on that last play. And Scotty just says, get the hell out of the way. <laughs> like, he knew exactly what was co- Like, everyone on that team knew what was coming. Like, even Dennis Rodman was like, you know, he'd pass to John Paxson, he'd pass to Steve Kerr, but nobody else was getting the ball on this possession. He was going <laughs> to score this one. Yeah, like, that, everyone knew.
0: That is, that has always been, because you can argue the stats all you want. I mean, I can make arguments for either side, really. And every time you hear an argument for LeBron James, they do what you said, Cody. They list the statistical accomplishments. Like
2: they. My list- favorite thing is, well, LeBron is a better rebounder. Well, yeah, he's four inches taller. He should be. <laughs> <laughs> and but
0: the biggest thing to me is. What settled it to me was back when, you know, 30 for 30 was really starting to kick off. And they did The Winning Time, which is still... Mm-hmm.
2: With Reggie Miller, so one of
0: Still one of my favorite documentaries of all time.
2: But the sentiment
0: during that time was, it was right when MJ retired. And I'm pretty sure it's Reggie Miller in the interview said, literally said, MJ retired we have a chance now. Like, this is our yep. chance. And wow. you heard it in that last episode with MJ and Scotty. After they won again, they can't win till we quit. And that is yeah. true. I mean, when he came yeah. back, they did lose in the playoffs to the Bulls. But I don't know how much of an excuse you want to give him for that for only been playing for two months or whatever it was. But, I, w- I
2: think it's interesting to, like, those two teams didn't have – either Horace Grant or Dennis Rodman. So, like, that rebounding person wasn't on that, or defense rebounding person wasn't on those two teams, and I think that's interesting.
0: Right, but what I get to is the psychology of it. I have never watched a LeBron James in the finals game and thought, no way he's not losing. I mean, you know me, I was a huge Thunder fan all the way till KD left. And the first year they made it with KD, Russ, and Harden, when they were all babies and Ibaka, I thought we were going to beat them. And that was with Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh. Like, Mm -hmm. talking with buddies, it was like, this is not a done deal. Like, we can Uh, beat LeBron James. I have never felt about LeBron James as the way I do about Michael Jordan finishing a playoff series or a team in the playoffs, like in a single game. That has never happened for me with with LeBron James. Sure, I might get an incredible physical, like, natural ability feat that we probably Mm -hmm. won't see for another 20 years out of anyone. But I have never thought, oh, crap, LeBron's got the ball with 20 seconds left. This thing's done. I've never felt that I'd almost
1: rather him have it.
0: (laughs) Exactly. I have never (laughs) felt that way. With MJ, you go rewatch the games it was done, like with that final shot. As soon as he pulled up, everyone in that building knew it was over. They knew they were closed out. I have never watched a game with LeBron in the finals and thought, okay, he's going to find a way. He's going to do this. Never have. I don't know. I mean, Daniel, what do you think about all that? What's your answer?
1: Yep, so um, my simple answer is I feel like Michael Jordan made his teammates better. And I know some people can, I guess, crap on that and say, well, no, because he made Chris Bosh a better player. That's BS because that Chris Bosh was much better before he met LeBron. Uh, Dwayne Wade was better when he played with Shaq than he was with uh, LeBron, I think. Um, And so I, I hate the style of basketball LeBron plays with. And I think because he is a, say a linebacker playing basketball or a tight end playing basketball, I think that's realistically, I feel like he's just so much bigger and more athletic than others. Uh, But in a sense, I I think MJ was the ultimate competitor. Um, And I think that when you look at it, MJ, when he wanted to win, he won. And I don't see that the same as LeBron. So that's my simple answer.
0: Yeah, that's the short answer. We will at some point do a complete deep dive on this besides just gut reaction. Because I I feel like a lot of people are just going to have the overreaction to the documentary since we haven't had sports and just be like, oh, yeah, MJ the GOAT. But there will always be a LeBron James faction that will fight back on that.
1: 100%.
0: And that's totally fine. Yeah. yeah, LeBron James is a fantastic NBA player. Like He's one of the greatest of all time. Unfortunately, he's just never going to be number one. Sorry. Uh, Any other final things about The Last Dance before we get out of here?
1: No, besides um, in the very beginning and probably the first couple uh, nights watching it, it it was very tough to follow the timeline as they were popping in and out. Um, But I think once we got more comfortable with it, Uh, that was, I guess, easier to view and understand where they were going, bouncing back and forth between, is it 1984? Are we back in 1992? Is this 98 again? Um, I think we finally got comfortable (laughs) and then it went off and we're like, well, screw this. I finally understood um, the method to the madness. So that was the only thing I was against. I know a lot of people had their uh, drawbacks to that part of it, but realistically, that's, this is probably one of the best documentaries I've ever seen. Um, It was definitely kept you on your toes and it kind of went in and out of storylines. And so it was definitely something that they they didn't take from 1984 all the way till 1998 and just went year by year. So it was very interesting, but I think it was well done just um, once I got the hang of it, it was off.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree. It was very well done. It was perfect timing for what we're going through now. So I'm glad they moved. I'm glad they moved it up. But now we're back yep. in the barren wasteland again, unless you're really in the NASCAR. Um, <laughs> but Cody, did you have a final last dance moment for you that you enjoyed? Uh, I, I really enjoyed the soundtrack. The music was awesome to me.
2: Yeah, the music okay. was really good. I thought all of it was really great. Like, I mean, there there wasn't much of it that I didn't enjoy. I think one of the best things about it was even though I knew what happened in all those series, like, still, like, being like, oh, is he going to make it? Even though I knew exactly what happened. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. That was a big thing because, uh, you know, Ashley watched it with me. And after the, you know, second episode, she's like, what happens? I'm like, I can't tell you. You know, tell me what happens. <laughs> I was like, no, you have to watch. Like, it, it really kind of did give you kind of a cliffhanger feel, even though if you followed that cool. basketball history at all, you know exactly what happens. So I th- right. I thought the right. documentary did a great job. I really enjoyed it um and hopefully we'll get back to because we start hearing some news about nba coming back this year and with actual talks of real regular season games so who knows what's going to happen uh but a lot of speculation but everything seems high hopes right now so i'm excited about that (laughs) yeah maybe another month month and a half and then we'll finally have something who knows but uh anything to plug before we go
1: uh, plug our uh, all social media. We are on Twitter at FreeBasketball3. I am at Daniel Greer. Follow us. Uh, follow along. We um, I'm hoping we get to do a draft. Uh, we already talked about that for, for a little bit. Maybe uh, go ahead and go back and talk about a little bit of, you know, kind of what's going on if there's going to be some breaking news and maybe they're going to start playing. Um, I know you talked about the Bahamas being a third option. Uh, we haven't brought that up here, so... There's three options they're discussing, and I'm hoping we can actually discuss real basketball stuff on another episode.
2: Cody, where can people find you at? Um, People can find me on Twitter. I am at the... uh, Man. At Cody underscore Holsey. Sorry, I don't know what just happened there. My brain stopped. Are you okay? I am okay. I have not died, nor had a stroke. (laughs)
1: Keep the signal clear.
2: Sorry. I don't know what just happened there, but yeah. At Cody underscore Halsey. You guys have a great night.
0: And you can find me at RD Meadows 11. And like Dana said, follow us at Free Basketball 3. So we hope you enjoyed this episode of The Last Dance. If you for some reason haven't watched it, if you've had your head under a rock for five weeks, go watch it. Even if you're not a basketball slash sports person. If you aren't, you're probably not listening to this podcast anyways, but Go watch the documentary it is good basketball history to find out about the greatest basketball player
2: that's ever lived check us out on twitter at good basketball history three <laughs> <laughs>